Eco Report is a weekly public affairs program providing independent media coverage of environmental and ecological studies with a focus on local, state, and regional people, issues, and events in order to foster open discussion of human relationships with nature and the earth and to encourage you to take personal responsibility for living sustainably in the world. Eco Report is produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. And financially supported by listeners like you. Hello, and welcome to Eco Report for WFHB. I'm Juliana Daly. And I'm Frank Marshalek. Coming up later in this edition of Eco Report, environmental correspondent Zero Rose gets an update from Stephen Stewart of the Indiana Forest Alliance on a new attempt at prescribed burning and logging proposed for the Lake Monroe watershed. And now for your environmental reports. The Environmental Protection Agency, or EPA, announced that the Indiana Department of Environmental Management, or IDEM, has been selected to receive $325,000 pollution prevention grant through President Biden's Investing in America agenda. This is a key pillar of Bidenomics. The EPA selected item to receive the funding made possible by President Biden's bipartisan infrastructure law. The goal is to develop and adopt practices and prevent pollution at the source in local communities. Item will use their grant funding to help small and medium-sized businesses in Indiana reduce their environmental footprint by providing training, peer mentoring, toolkits, and environmental management systems planning. The project will help reduce the use of hazardous chemicals. Quote, preventing pollution is a crucial part of environmental justice efforts across the Great Lakes region, end quote, said EPA Region 5 Administrator Deborah Shore, unquote, Thanks to bipartisan, the bipartisan infrastructure law, the grants being announced will encourage businesses to help overburdened and underserved communities become cleaner, healthier places to live, learn, and work, end quote. There's virtually no limit to opportunities for improvement. Indiana has 24,000 miles of rivers and streams that are sufficiently polluted that if you swim in these waters, you stand a good chance of getting sick. Indiana is, quote-unquote, business friendly, so its laws allow high levels of pollution. The historic wildfire season currently plaguing Canada is expected to persist, a potentially devastating forecast made more likely due to human-caused climate change, according to new research. Drought and hot conditions contributed to an unprecedented start to the fire season in Canada and has kept the fires burning all over the country since late April, says Christina Dahl, senior climate scientist at the Union of Concerned Scientists. Currently, more than 40 million total acres have been burned, an area nearly as large as the state of Georgia, according to the Canadian Interagency Forest Fire Center. There are more than 1,000 active wildfires burning in Canada, with more than 650 of them deemed out of control, according to the agency. The fire season would not have gotten this bad were it not for anthropogenic or human-caused climate change, according to a new study released Tuesday by World Weather Attribution, an international group of academics and officials that evaluate the influence of climate change on extreme weather events. 
The carbon dioxide level in the atmosphere increases every year. We will know we are making progress when the growth in carbon dioxide slows. The Arctic National Wildlife Refuge in Alaska is one of the last intact wild landscapes of its kind, characterized by glaciers, boreal forest, and tundra. It's a sanctuary for a remarkable array of wildlife, from polar bears and awe-inspiring caribou herds to millions of migratory birds. In its final days, the Trump administration issued leases to drill for oil on the refuge's fragile coastal plain where these animals live. But the Arctic is already heating up four times faster than the rest of the planet. The stakes for this vulnerable place couldn't be higher. The plans in place to halt global warming are inadequate. The globe is warming at an ever-increasing rate. Thus, we can expect much higher temperatures in the Arctic. The refuge may even become forested if we continue on our current path. Back when there was much greater volcanic activity millions of years ago, the carbon dioxide content in the air was over 1,000 parts per million, and there were forests and even alligators in the Arctic. While that degree of warming is not expected, the future Arctic will be vastly different than what it is today. Polar bears are likely to be extinct in the wild. Nonetheless, the area could become the only relatively cool place for species that require cooler temperatures. For preserving many cold climate species, we need to protect the Arctic refuge, and even more importantly, to protect the Arctic Ocean from drilling and fishing. The cold water fish are already moving northward from both of our coasts. Even if we did everything possible to halt warming, this trend would continue through the lifetimes of everyone currently alive. But if large portions of the Arctic Ocean are maintained as a preserve, they will be really important for reestablishing populations along both the east and west coasts as the climate eventually cools again. While that may be thousands of years off, it's important to start now. The New York Times reports that hidden within the seemingly barren expanse of White Sands National Park in New Mexico are human footprints. But these impressions are much more than random tracks. They are ancient vignettes cast in gypsum-rich sand. The footprints tell stories of hunters stalking a giant sloth, a traveler slipping in mud with a child on one hip, children jumping in puddles, splashing in play, and more. But one question has plagued researchers studying these prints. Exactly how long ago were they made? A paper published in 2021 offered some, a somewhat surprising answer. Humans could have pressed their feet in the sand as early as 21,000 to 23,000 years ago, making the tracks some of the oldest evidence yet found of people in the Americas. The result elicited both excitement and skepticism, with calls for additional tests to back up the astonishing claims. A new study published Thursday in the journal Science employed additional methods to determine the age of the tracks and adds to the evidence for those surprisingly ancient dates. When is an area truly safe from exploitation? The answer seems to be never. A few years ago, during the Trump era, there was a proposal to open a gold mine right next to the northern entrance to the Yellowstone National Park. Environmentalists were concerned about this proposal from the very beginning. EcoReport covered the battle blow by blow. Concerns were about preserving animal life. For many species, the area is as 
is part of their natural migratory territory. Both grizzlies and wolves frequent the target area. Furthermore, the watershed includes the Yellowstone River, and the concern was that the toxic runoff from a mine would poison the river. The battle was pitched for a couple of years. Finally, the environment, environmental concerns won, and there was no mine. Recently, there was another attempt to open this mine, but the effort was halted because environmental groups raised $6 million to buy enough land that, to make it unattractive uh, to mine. And now we turn to Zero Rose and his interview with Stephen Stewart, who's your National Forest Program Director for the Indiana Forest Alliance, on how the Houston South Project could affect endangered species, the health of county residents, and the municipal drinking water supply for Bloomington. We have with us today Stephen Stewart of Indiana Forest Alliance. And I understand that Houston South that was shut down by an injunction uh, by a judge is somehow reactivated and there's a, what is it, a 30-day public input period? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So the project was first proposed in 2019 uh, from the Hoosier National Forest Office here, here in Indiana, uh, the Houston South Project. Uh, and um, they, during the comments, uh, they were almost ready to start it, but uh, the IFA and others uh, in Monroe County uh, had went to the court, and, and the court found that uh, due to a failure of uh, inadequate, inadequate treatment of what the significant impacts were going to be on Lake Monroe uh, with the municipal water source from that project, uh, that they needed, that the Forest Service needed to do more work uh, before they were able to go forward. Well, uh, then they went through and they submitted a supplemental information report where they, uh, in, in essence, the Forest Service said that, well, we feel that, you know, here's the data uh, that we have uh, done a, a enough study and proceeded to go through with it. Well, and went back to the courts and the courts decided, no, you have not. Uh, and so they withdrew uh, that initial supplemental information report. But they've recently uh, released a brand new uh, draft environmental assessment uh, for that project. Uh, and they have invited the public, uh, started out last week uh, for 30 days in public comment period as part of the NEPA process, uh, which allows for the public uh, to have an input on projects. Um, but in, in, you know, we're still further looking into the rest of the, this new document that they've created, but not, not a lot has changed. Uh, and so you know, we, can, we can provide you the links uh, through the Forest Service website where, and also uh, on Safe Hoosier National Forest. Uh, dot com uh, webpage as well, so you can read those documents yourself. And we also have training uh, instructions on, you know, the official commenting process and how to how to go about that uh, in order to make sure that you're able to uh, get your input and what the uh, force means to you and how it's going. This project is going to affect uh, your usage of the Hoosier National Forest. And there are it is a uh, inclusive project that includes uh, prescribed burning. Uh, as well as um, uh, timber management uh, and a lot of the trees that they're proposing to do. Uh, the reason it's going to affect the water supply is because they are on such steep slopes into the watershed uh, that supplies the public water there uh, for over 100,000 people uh, at Lake Monroe. Uh, and so, and also there have been endangered bats uh, discovered there, the Indiana bat, uh, IFA. Uh, recently we did uh, bat surveys in the early part of the summer. Uh, and we did locate a, uh, a maternal roost for the Indiana bat, which is great news. Um, but also, then that, that significantly impacts, you know, uh, the, the, the you know biggest impact on endangered species in the bat specifically is the loss of 
uh, home, uh, lost uh, uh, their habitat. And uh, this project would severely uh, impact that habitat where these endangered species have been located. Yeah, and I know there was uh, recently, I think some 20 plus species that were delisted from the Endangered Species Act, you know, around throughout the country. Mm -hmm. uh, because, well, and, because they were actually found to be extinct. Yes. Yeah, that is correct. And so it's it's very imperative, you know, that we don't want that to happen to our Indiana bats. Uh, we don't want that to happen to the northern long-eared. Uh, the northern long-eared uh, is also up for uh, potential status as endangered, but in, in both the, the bat surveys that went on by the United States Forest Service this season down in the Buffalo Springs area and a couple other uh, areas, and then the work that we did uh, for three months in the summer as well in the House and South project area, um, you, you know, the, the, that bat was not found. Uh, and, and so, you know, I, I hope that that doesn't mean that it is indeed, you know, possibly gone uh, from our ecosystem. And there's such a key player uh, in uh, critical species uh, that, that need to be, you know, saved and need to be looked at. And we certainly hope that they don't get taken off the list because they're extinct. We hope that they get taken off the list because their numbers improve. Uh, but we're afraid that the House and South Project and the Buffalo Springs Project as well, as they are proposed currently, uh, would significantly impact those numbers. Uh, and, you know, uh, in addition to the, you know, white nose syndrome that, that's caused the problems to begin with, with the huge, I mean, 90 to 95 percent of the original population, you know, before white nose came in has been decimated already. So uh, in a very short amount of time. Uh, so it's imperative that that um, these habitat areas be saved and um, preserved uh, uh, so that we don't have them taken off the list in the wrong way. And of course, some of those bats are controlling things like mosquitoes in the West Nile virus that's been found found in the region. Uh, many, many knock-on effects of that. And that burning, that prescribed burning is partly an issue of air quality when it's going on, um, which we experienced with the Canadian wildfires uh, coming down into Indiana and setting off some uh, high, high alerts. And I understand that uh, some various critters were also uh, burnt up in, in some of those processes. And this is where there's an overlap between the Houston South thing and the Buffalo Springs project uh, right. of Hoosier National Forest prescribed burns. And is it, is it become any clearer on how uh, this Houston South project ha having an injunction uh, its impact on the Buffalo Springs plants? So, um, yeah, uh, so to the burning specifically, you know, and you mentioned quite, quite true uh, that, you know, we're not just looking at the effects on wildlife and the effects on uh, the, the, you know, flora, uh, you know, the plants in the forest, uh, but it also is effect on humans. It affects the populations dramatically and directly, uh, as we saw with the wildfires, because shortly uh, after that, you know, uh, I, I'm in Bloomington, Indiana, and the air quality index, it got down to a certain critical level uh, that they were, you know, 
asking people that you know they should advising people to stay inside. Well, uh, the uh, DNR Forestry uh, had did a burn uh, during the same early spring season that they do these uh, in southern Indiana, uh, in Ferdinand area, and, and the air quality index that was caused from that fire that they purposely created, not a wildfire, uh, actually got worse. Uh, uh, air quality level uh, than what we had seen from the Chicago fires. Uh, but but there was no warning to the public uh, that that happened. There was no, uh, you know, no statement released by the Forestry Division of, of DNR. Um, and, and yes, uh, after going through the project area where they had did this fire, that, you know, smoke was seen from it for 30 miles, 40 miles away. Um, they went through, and it's the it's a prime time uh, for amphibians and reptiles that are coming out uh, of hibernation uh, and, and coming out of uh, their sleep from the winter, uh, and are coming out, and they have no, uh, they are being burnt up. Uh, there were, um, you know, uh, many snakes, uh, many salamanders, uh, turtles. Uh, the eastern box turtle is actually a, 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 a species of concern. In Indiana, uh, because they they're not for sure uh, what their numbers are, uh, and they they have no uh, those that do the prescribed burns uh, in Indiana have no uh, way to they're not currently looking at ways to uh, you know uh, protect these species, um, and so uh, what is, is out of our control uh, the wildfires out west uh, and, and up in Canada that are drastically affecting the, these species um, we have control over our own management techniques that we are doing the, the, these agencies uh, but they're, they're not look they're causing the problem uh, that these wild same problems that the wildfires are in our wetter environment here uh, and those really need to be looked at uh, both for the air quality of people, um, you know, especially with those in high risk categories uh, with the smoke and air quality, uh, you know, mothers uh, that are uh, pregnant or uh, elderly folks or those with respiratory issues. Um, but, you know, um, so many things that we learn later on that uh, we didn't realize we were a significant, you know, problem to us later on down the road. We realize, you know, health reasons realize that, you know, well, you might not have been at risk at the time, but due to the uh, um, exposure uh, to these, uh, you know, you've developed a condition and it causes longer health term concerns. Uh, we, we see that time and time and time again. So, um, you know, we need to, uh, um, you know, we have the control uh, of our own actions. And, and I think that uh, with no historical precedence uh, in the Indiana forests of significant management by fire prehistorically, uh, and, you know, why are we doing it now? Um, you know, it, this, it has, uh, it does have some positive benefits of helping to reduce uh, some invasive species uh, and some oak regeneration uh, to help those uh, trees. Uh, but what's it doing to the overall ecosystem? What's it doing to the, the, the human aspect of it? What's it, what's it doing to the uh, animals that are there that have no protection uh, by themselves that need our help uh, to protect them from these fires? So um, there, you know, and those, those concerns are still very valid and even more valid perhaps and more understood by the general public now uh, than they were when the uh, projects were first uh, put out. Uh, and now that they are, um, you know, two courts have came forward and said that, you know, you need to revisit uh, this project, uh, the House and South project, um, and, and look into its its significant impacts it's going to have. Um, and they're coming forward and still keeping this project and haven't really done an in-depth, which uh, in order to do really an in-depth study uh, would take a, uh, an environmental impact statement, uh, which is a much more thorough 
analyzation of the different factors we've looked at and talked about here. So um, I, we, IFA is really, you know, and others we're, we're pushing that they do that uh, just so that we have you know, sound knowledge and sound um, predictions on, on what these effects are going to have rather than just simply trying to move forward with it as quick as possible. Um, because they had uh, put out a SOPA, which is a schedule of proposed actions of what their projects were going to be uh, in the forest. And they had put a date of the House and South project, which it had been off the books since the courts had made their decisions uh, two years ago originally, um, that had been off the books and they put it back on the books. And, and um, they went originally in the SOPA had said, well, it's going to happen in February uh, of this next following year. And uh, unexpectedly, they went and they put it forward much quicker um, and put it uh, released it last week. So uh, so I, it's hard, it's hard to believe that, uh, you know, enough study has probably been done, uh, you know, because it was only six to seven months ago when the last court injunction came down. Uh, so, you know, it's hard to believe that an area that's, you know, 15,000 acres uh, going to be impacted for that and 20,000 plus acres uh, for the Buffalo Springs project have really been properly uh, studied to really understand what's happening from our from our own actions. So, and uh, the central site that people can look up to try to tap into this information. Absolutely, you can go to IndianaForestAlliance.org. Um, we have links. Uh, we have information about both the Senate bill and other projects that we've mentioned today. Uh, with the specific projects, uh, the Buffalo Springs project, the House and South projects, and others uh, that are done by the Forest Service, you can go to their uh, Hoosier National Forest.org page. Gov, uh, as well, um, and also uh, you know we have extra uh, scientific documentation, scientific documents, uh, extra um, uh, instructional videos, uh, PowerPoint presentations on how to make official comments. This is in nature. Soaring high in the sky, the striking sandhill crane often is heard before seen. In contrast to the familiar flying V of Canada geese, sandhill cranes fly in a mixed jumble, yodeling and trumpeting. The sandhill crane is a species of large crane of North America and extreme Northeast Siberia. Adult sandhill cranes weigh around 10 pounds, are 4 feet tall, and have a wingspan of over 6 feet. They are gray overall with a red forehead, white cheeks, and long, dark, pointed bills. Sandhill cranes fly with their long necks trailing behind and necks held straight. Dating back over two million years, pairs call and jump in a synchronized and complex mating dance. Sandhill cranes raise one brood of two to three chicks each spring, and the young stay with their parents until the following breeding season. Cranes are quite social and live in large family groups throughout the year. Although sandhill cranes do not breed in the WFHB listening area, these magnificent birds can be seen locally during spring and fall migration, especially at Goose Pond Fish and Wildlife Area just south of Linton. But perhaps the most spectacular gathering of sandhill cranes is during fall migration at the Jasper Pulaski Fish and Wildlife Area in northeast Indiana. In late fall, 20 to 30,000 cranes gather to feed in local farm fields during the day and roost at night as one large communal flock in a field in front of the Jasper Pulaski Observation Tower. The sights and sounds of thousands of sandhill cranes are truly one of Indiana's unforgettable experiences. You've been listening to In Nature, a production of WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana.
For Eco Report, I am Juliana Daly. And I'm Frank Marshallick. Are you looking for a way to make a difference on environmental issues? Here at Eco Report, we are currently looking for reporters, engineers, and segment producers. Our goal is to report facts on how we're all affected by global climate disruption and the ongoing assaults on our air, land, and water. We also celebrate ecologists, tree huggers, soil builders, and an assortment of champions who actively protect and restore our natural world, particularly those who are active in South Central Indiana. All levels of experience and all ages are welcome, and we provide the training you'll need. WFHB also offers internships. To volunteer for Eco Report, give us a call at 812-322-1200 or email us at earth at wfhb.org. And now for some upcoming events. Join the Uplands Network of the Sierra Club for a seven-mile hike on the Sycamore Loop Trail in the Hoosier National Forest on Saturday, October 28th from 9 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. There will be a stop for lunch while you enjoy the beautiful fall foliage. Register at m-a-r-y-r-r-d-n at gmail.com or call 812-320-9322. Take a spooky full moon hike on Saturday, October the 28th from 9.30 to 11 p.m. at Leonard Springs Nature Park. During the hike, you will learn the history and folklore surrounding the full moon and Hallow's Eve. Register at bloomington.in.gov slash parks. Celebrate Halloween with a snake meet and greet at Brown County State Park on Tuesday, October 31st from 3 to 3.30 p.m. Get a close and personal look at one of Indiana's native snakes. Learn their unique traits, their threats, and how they affect your life. You will have the opportunity to pet the snake at the end of the program. Take an introduction to hydroponics class at the Allison Jukebox Community Center on Saturday, November the 4th from 5 to 6.30 p.m. Learn an alternative way of gardening using water rather than soil. Register at bloomington.in.gov slash parks. There will be a night owl hike at Griffey Lake Nature Preserve on Saturday, November 4th, from 9 to 10.30 p.m. A naturalist will accompany you as you learn how to spot and listen for common Indiana owl species. Meet at the Boathouse. Register at bloomington.in.gov slash parks. And that wraps up our show for this week. Eco Report is brought to you in part by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. Found locally at 812-334-4003 and on the web at mpisolarenergy.com. This week's headlines were written by Norm Holy. Today's news feature was produced by Zero Rose and edited by Noel Herhusky Schneider. Juliana Daly assembled the script, which was edited by Zero Rose. Juliana Daly compiled our events calendar. Cade Young and Noel Herhusky Schneider produced today's show. Brandon Blewett is our engineer. For WFHB, I'm Juliana Daly. And I'm Frank Marshallek. 
And this is Eco Report, and we'd like to wish you a safe and happy Halloween. You've been listening to The Eco Report. A volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB. In Bloomington, Indiana. Available for download and podcast at news.wfhb.org. Eco Report is your independent, ecologically inspired news source. For South Central Indiana. Bringing you news that the earth wants you to hear. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Eco Report staff. The email address is earth at wfhb.org. That's earth at wfhb.org.